January 29th through February 4th of Morning and Evening Daily Readings Morning, January 29th The things which are not seen 2 Corinthians 4.18 In our Christian pilgrimage it is well, for the most part, to be looking forward. Forward lies the crown, and onward is the goal. Whether it be for hope, for joy, for consolation, or for the inspiring of our love, the future must, after all, be the grand object of the eye of faith. Looking into the future we see sin cast out, the body of sin and death destroyed, the soul made perfect and fit to be a partaker of the inheritance of the saints in light. Looking further yet, the believers in line to die can see death's river passed, the gloomy stream forded, and the hills of light attained on which standeth the celestial city. He seeth himself enter within the pearly gates, hailed as more than conqueror, crowned by the hand of Christ, embraced in the arms of Jesus, glorified with him, and made to sit together with him on his throne, even as he has overcome and has sat down with the Father on his throne. The thought of this future may well relieve the darkness of the past and the gloom of the present. The joys of heaven will surely compensate for the sorrows of earth. Hush, hush, my doubts. Death is but a narrow stream, and thou shalt soon have forded it. Time, how short! Eternity, how long! Death, how brief! Immortality, how endless! Methinks I even now eat of Eskel's clusters, and sip of the well which is within the gate. The road is so, so short, I shall soon be there. When the world my heart is rending with its heaviest storm of care, my glad thoughts to heaven ascending find a refuge from despair. Face bright visions shall sustain me till life's pilgrimage is past. Fears may vex and troubles pain me, I shall reach my home at last. Evening, January 29th. The dove came into him in the evening. Genesis 8:11. Blessed be the Lord for another day of mercy, even though I am now weary with his toils. And to the preserver of men left I my song of gratitude. The dove found no rest out of the ark, and therefore returned to it. And my soul has learned yet more fully than ever, this day, that there is no satisfaction to be found in earthly things. God alone can give rest to my spirit. As to my business, my possessions, my family, my attainments, these are all well enough in their way, but they cannot fulfill the desires of my immortal nature. Return unto thy rest, O my soul, for the Lord hath dealt bountifully with thee. It was at the still hour, when the gates of the day were closing, that with weary wing the dove came back to the master. O Lord, enable me this evening thus to return to Jesus. She could not endure to spend a night hovering over the restless waste, nor can I bear to be even for another hour away from Jesus, the rest of my heart, the home of my spirit. She did not merely alight upon the roof of the ark, she came into him. Even so would my longing spirit look into the secret of the Lord, pierce through the interior of the truth, enter into that which is within the veil, and reach to my beloved in very deed. To Jesus must I come. Short of the nearest and dearest intercourse with him, my panting spirit cannot stay. Blessed Lord Jesus, be with me, reveal thyself, and abide with me all night, so that when I awake I may be still with thee. 
I know that the dove bought in our mouth an olive branch plucked off, the memorial of the past day, and a prophecy of the future. Have I no pleasing record to bring home? No pledge and earnest of loving kindness yet to come? Yes, my lord, I present thee, my grateful acknowledgments for tender mercies which have been new every morning and fresh every evening, and now, I pray thee, put forth thy hand and take thy dove into thy bosom. Morning, January 30th When thou heardest the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees, then thou shalt bestir thyself. Second Samuel 5.24 The members of Christ's church shall be very prayerful, always thinking the unction of the Holy One to rest upon their hearts, that the kingdom of Christ may come, and that his will be done on earth even as it is in heaven. But there are times when God seems especially to favor Zion, such seasons ought to be to them like the sound of a going in the tops of the mulberry trees. We ought then to be doubly prayerful, doubly earnest, wrestling more at the throne than we have been wont to do. Action should then be prompt and vigorous. The tide is flowing, now let us pull manfully for the shore. Oh, for Pentecostal outpourings and Pentecostal labors! Christian, in yourself there are times when thou hearest the sound of it going in the tops of the mulberry trees. You have a peculiar power in prayer. The Spirit of God gives you joy and gladness. The scripture is open to you. The promises are applied. You walk in the light of God's countenance. You have peculiar freedom and liberty and devotion, and more closeness of communion with Christ than was your want. Now, at such joyous periods when you hear the sound of a going at the tops of the mulberry trees, is the time to bestir yourself. Now is the time to get rid of any evil habit, while God the Spirit helpeth your infirmities. Spread your sail, but remember what you sometimes sing. I can only spread the sail. Thou, thou must breathe the auspicious gale. Only be sure that you have the sail up. Do not miss the gale for want of preparation for it. Seek help of God that you may be more earnest in duty when made more strong in faith, that you may be more constant in prayer when you have more liberty at the throne, that you may be more holy in your conversation whilst you live more closely with Christ. Evening, January 30th In whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Ephesians 1.11 When Jesus gave himself for us, he gave us all the rights and privileges which went with himself, so that now, although as eternal God, he has essential rights to which no creature may venture to pretend, yet as Jesus, the mediator, the federal head of the covenant of grace, he has no heritage apart from us. All the glorious consequences of his obedience unto death are the joint riches of all who are in him, and on whose behalf he accomplished the divine will. See, he enters into glory, but not for himself alone, for it is written, Whither the forerunner for us entered. Hebrews 6.20 Does he stand in the presence of God? He appears in the presence of God for us. Hebrews 9.24 Consider this, believer, you have no right in heaven in yourself. Your right lies in Christ. If you are pardoned, it is through his blood. If you are justified, it is through his righteousness. If you are sanctified, it is because he is made of God unto your sanctification. If you shall be kept from falling, it will be because you are preserved in Christ Jesus. And if you are perfected at the last, it will be because you are complete in him. 
Thus Jesus is magnified, for all is in him and by him. Thus the inheritance is made certain to us, for it is obtained in him. Thus each blessing is the sweeter, and even heaven itself the brighter, because it is Jesus our beloved, in whom we have obtained all. Where is the man who shall estimate our divine portion? Weigh the riches of Christ in scales, and his treasure in balances, and then think to count the treasures which belong to the saints. Reach the bottom of Christ's sea of joy, and then hope to understand the bliss which God hath prepared for them that love him. Overleap the boundaries of Christ's possessions, and then dream of a limit to the fair inheritance of the elect. All things are yours, for ye are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Morning, January 31st. The Lord our righteousness. Jeremiah 23.6 It will always give a Christian the greatest calm, quiet, ease, and peace to think of the perfect righteousness of Christ. How often are the saints of God downcast and sad? I do not think they ought to be. I do not think they would if they could always see their perfection in Christ. There are some who are always talking about corruption and the depravity of the heart and the innate evil of the soul. This is quite true, but why not go a little further and remember that we are perfect in Christ Jesus? It is no wonder that those who are dwelling upon their own corruption should wear downcast looks. But surely if we call to mind that Christ is made unto us righteousness, we shall be of good cheer. What though distresses afflict me, though Satan assault me, though there may be many things to be experienced before I get to heaven, those are done for me in the covenant of divine grace. There is nothing wanting in my Lord. Christ hath done it all. On the cross he said, It is finished. And if it be finished, then am I complete in him, and can rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Now having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith, you will not find on this side heaven a holier people than those who receive into their hearts the doctrine of Christ's righteousness. When the believer says, I live on Christ alone, I rest on him solely for salvation, and I believe that, however unworthy, I am still saved in Jesus, then there rises up as a motive of gratitude this thought, Shall I not live to Christ? Shall I not love him and serve him, seeing that I am saved by his merits? The love of Christ constraineth us, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them. If saved by imputed righteousness, we shall greatly value imparted righteousness. Evening, January 31st. Then Ahamaz ran by the way of the plain and overran Cushi. Second Samuel eighteen twenty three. Running is not everything. There is much in the way which we select. A swift foot over hill and down dale will not keep pace with the slower traveller upon level ground. How is it with my spiritual journey? Am I labouring up the hill of my own works and down into the ravines of my own humiliations and resolutions? or do I run by the plain way of believe and live? How blessed is it to wait upon the Lord by faith! The soul runs without weariness and walks without fainting in the way of believing. Christ Jesus is the way of life, and he is a plain way, a pleasant way, a way suitable for the tottering feet and feeble knees of trembling sinners. Am I found in this way, or am I hunting after another track such as priestcraft or metaphysics may promise me?
I rather the way of holiness, that the wayfaring man, though a fool, shall not err therein. Have I been delivered from proud reason, and been brought as a little child to rest in Jesus' love and blood? If so, by God's grace I shall outrun the strongest runner who chooses any other path. This truth I may remember to my profit in my daily cares and needs. It will be my wisest course to go at once to my God, and not to wander in a roundabout manner to this friend in that. He knows my wants and can relieve them. To whom should I repair but to himself by the direct appeal of prayer, and the plain argument of the promise? Straightforward makes the best runner. I will not parley with the servants, but hasten to their master. In reading this passage, it strikes me that if men vie with each other in common matters, and one outruns the other, I ought to be in solemn earnestness so to run that I may obtain. Lord, help me to gird up the loins of my mind, and may I press forward towards the mark for the prize of my high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Morning, February 1st. They shall sing in the ways of the Lord. Psalm 138.5 The time when Christians begin to sing in the ways of the Lord is when they first lose their burden at the foot of the cross. Not even the songs of the angels seem so sweet as the first song of rapture which gushes from the inmost soul of the forgiven child of God. You know how John Bunyan describes it. He says when poor pilgrim lost his burden at the cross, he gave three great leaps and went on his way singing, Blessed cross, blessed sepulcher, blessed rather be the man that there was worth the shame for me. Believer, do you recollect the day when your fetters fell off? Do you remember the place when Jesus met you and said, I have loved thee with an everlasting love. I have blotted out as a cloud thy transgressions, and as a thick cloud thy sins. They shall not be mentioned against thee any more forever. Oh, what a sweet season is that when Jesus takes away the pain of sin. When the Lord first pardoned my sin, I was so joyous that I could scarce refrain from dancing. I thought on my road home from the house where I had been set at liberty, that I must tell the stones in the street the story of my deliverance. So full was my soul of joy that I wanted to tell every snowflake that was falling from heaven of the wondrous love of Jesus, who had blotted out the sins of one of the chief of rebels. But it is not only at the commencement of the Christian life that believers have reason for song. As long as they live, they discover cause of sing in the ways of the Lord, and their experience of his constant loving-kindness leads them to say, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Say to it, brother, that thou magnifiest the Lord this day. Long as we tread this desert land, new mercies shall new songs demand. Evening, February 1st. Thy love to me was wonderful. Second Samuel one twenty six. Come, dear readers, let each one of us speak for himself of the wonderful love, of not of Jonathan, but of Jesus. We will not relate what we have been told, but the things which we have tasted and handled of the love of Christ. Thy love to me, O Jesus, was wonderful when I was a stranger wandering far from thee, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. Thy love restrained me from committing the sin which was unto death, and withheld me from self-destruction. Thy love held back the axe when Jesus said, Cut it down! Why cumbereth it the ground? Thy love drew me into the wilderness, stripped me there, and made me feel the guilt of my sin and the burden of my iniquity. Thy love spake thus comfortably to me when I was sore dismayed. 
Come unto me, and I will give thee rest. Oh, how matchless I love, when, in a moment, thou didst wash my sins away, and make my polluted soul, which was crimson with the blood of my nativity, and black with the grime of my transgressions, to be white as the driven snow, and pure as the finest wool. How thou didst commend thy love when thou didst whisper in my ears, I am thine, and thou art mine. Kind were those accents when thou says, The Father himself loveth you. And sweet the moments, passing sweet, when thou declarest to me, The love of the Spirit. Never shall my soul forget those chambers of fellowship where thou hast unveiled thyself to me. Had Moses cleft in the rock, where he saw the train, the back parts of his God? We, too, have had our clefts in the rock, where we have seen the full splendors of the Godhead in the person of Christ. Did David remember the tracks of the wild goat, the land of Jordan, and the Hermonites? We, too, can remember spots to memory dear, equal to these in blessedness. Precious Lord Jesus, give us a fresh draught of thy wondrous love to begin the month with. Amen. Morning, February 2nd. Without the shedding of blood is no remission. Hebrews 9.22 This is the voice of unalterable truth. And none of the Jewish ceremonies were sins, even typically, removed without bloodshedding. In no case, by no means can sin be pardoned without atonement. It is clear, then, that there is no hope for me out of Christ, for there is no other bloodshedding which is worth thought as an atonement for sin. Am I, then, believing in him? Is the blood of this atonement truly applied to my soul? All men are on a level as to their need of him. If we be never so moral, generous, amiable, or patriotic, the rule will not be altered to make an exception for us. Sin will yield to nothing less potent than the blood of him whom God has set forth as a propitiation. What a blessing that there is one way of pardon! Why should we seek another? Persons of merely formal religion cannot understand how we can rejoice that all our sins are forgiven us for Christ's sake. Their works and prayers and ceremonies give them very poor comfort, and well may they be uneasy, for they are neglecting the one great salvation and endeavoring to get remission without blood. My soul, sit down, and behold the justice of God is bound to punish sin. See that punishment all executed upon thy Lord Jesus, and fall down in humble joy, and kiss the dear feet of him whose blood has made atonement for thee. It is in vain when conscience is aroused to fly to feelings and evidences for comfort. This is a habit which we learned in the Egypt of illegal bondage. The only restorative for a guilty conscience is the light of Jesus suffering on the cross. The blood is the life thereof, says the Levitical law, and let us rest assured that it is the life of faith and joy and every other holy grace. Oh, how sweet to view the flowing of my Savior's precious blood, with divine assurance knowing he has made my peace with God. Evening, February 2nd. And these are ancient things. First Chronicles 4.22 Yet not so ancient as those precious things which are the delight of our souls. Let us for a moment recount them, telling them over as misers count their gold. The sovereign choice of the Father, by which he elected us unto eternal life, or ever the earth was, is a matter of vast antiquity, since no day can be conceived for it by the mind of man. We were chosen from before the foundations of the world. 
everlasting love with with a choice for it was not a bare act of divine will by which we were set apart but the divine affections were concerned the father loved us and from the beginning here is a thing for daily contemplation the eternal purpose is to redeem us from our foreseen ruin to cleanse and sanctify us and at last to glorify us was of infinite antiquity and run side by side with the immutable love and absolute sovereignty the covenant is always described as being everlasting and jesus the second party in it had his goings forth of old he struck his hands in sacred suretyship long ere the first of the stars began to shine and it was in him that the elect were ordained into eternal life thus in a divine purpose a most blessed confident union was established between the son of god and his select people who will remain as the foundation of their safety when time shall be no more is it not well to be conversant with these ancient things is it not shameful that they should be so much neglected and even rejected by the bulk of professors if they knew more of their own sin would they not be more ready to adore distinguishing grace let us both admire and adore tonight as we sing a monument of grace a sinner saved by blood the streams of love i trace up to the fountain god and in his sacred bosom see eternal thoughts of love to me morning february third therefore brethren we are debtors romans eight twelve as god's creatures we are all debtors to him to obey him with all our body and soul and strength having broken his commandments as we all have we are debtors to his justice and we owe to him a vast amount which we are not able to pay but of the christian it can be said that he does not owe god's justice anything for christ has paid the debt his people owed for this reason the believer owes the more to love i am a debtor to god's grace and forgiving mercy but i am no debtor to his justice for he will never accuse me of a debt already paid christ said it is finished and by that he meant that whatever his people had owed was wiped away forever from the book of remembrance christ to the uttermost has satisfied divine justice the account is settled the handwriting is nailed to the cross the receipt is given and we are debtors to god's justice no longer but then because we are not debtors to our lord in that sense we become ten times more debtors to god than we should have been otherwise christian pause and ponder for a moment what a debtor thou art to divine sovereignty how much thou owest his disinterested love for he gave his own son that he might die for thee consider how much you owe to his forgiving grace that after ten thousand affronts he loves you as infinitely as ever consider what you owe to his power how he has raised you from your death and sin how he has preserved your spiritual life how he has kept you from falling and how though a thousand enemies have beset your path you have been able to hold on your way consider what you owe to his immutability though you have changed a thousand times he has not changed once thou art as deep in debt as thou canst be to every attribute of god to god thou owest thyself and all thou hast yield thyself as a living sacrifice it is but thy reasonable service evening february third tell me where thou feedest where thou makest thy flock to rest at noon song of solomon one seven these words express the desire of the believer after christ and his longing for present communion with him where durst thou feed thy flock in thy house 
I will go, if I may find thee there. In private prayer? Then I will pray without ceasing. In the word? Then I will read it diligently. In thy ordinances? Then I will walk in them with all my heart. Tell me where thou feedest, for wherever thou standest as a shepherd, there will I lie down as a sheep, for none but thyself can supply my need. I cannot be satisfied to be apart from thee. My soul hungers and thirsts for the refreshment of thy presence. Where dost thou make thy flock to rest at noon? For whether at dawn or at noon, my only rest must be where thou art, and thy beloved flock. My soul's rest must be a grace-given rest, and can only be found in thee. Where is the shadow of that rock? Why should I not repose beneath it? What should I be as one that turneth aside by the flocks of thy companions? Thou hast companions. Why should I not be one? Satan tells me I am unworthy, but I always was unworthy, and yet thou hast long loved me, and therefore my unworthiness cannot be a bar to my having fellowship with thee now. It is true I am weak in faith, and prone to fall, but my very feebleness is the reason why I should always be where thou feedest thy flock, that I may be strengthened and preserved in safety beside the still waters. Why should I turn aside? There is no reason why I should, but there are a thousand reasons why I should not, for Jesus beckons me to come. If he withdrew himself a little, it is but to make me prize his presence more. Now that I am grieved in distress of being away from him, he will lead me yet again to that sheltered rock where the lamps of his fold are sheltered from the burning sun. Morning, February 4th The Love of the Lord Hosea 3, 1 Believer, look back through all thine experience, and think of the way whereby the Lord thy God has led thee in the wilderness, and how he hath fed and clothed thee every day. How he hath borne with thine ill manners, how he put up with all thy murmurings, and all thy longings after the flesh-pots of Egypt. How he has opened the rock to supply thee, and fed thee with manna that came down from heaven. Think of how his grace has been sufficient for thee in all thy troubles, how his blood has been a pardon to thee in all thy sins, how his rod and his staff have comforted thee. When thou hast thus looked back upon the love of the Lord, then let faith survey his love in the future. For remember that Christ's covenant and blood have something more in them than the past. He who has loved thee and pardoned thee shall never cease to love and pardon. He is Alpha, and he shall be Omega also. He is first, and he shall be last. Therefore bethink thee, when thou shalt pass through the valley of the shadow of death, thou needest fear no evil, for he is with thee. When thou shalt stand in the cold floods of Jordan, thou needest not fear. For death cannot separate thee from his love. And when thou shalt come into the mysteries of eternity, thou needest not tremble. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor death, nor any other creature, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, soul, is not thy love refreshed? Does not this make thee love Jesus? Doth not a fly through illimitable plains of love inflame thy heart and compel thee to delight thyself in the Lord thy God? Surely as we meditate on the love of the Lord, our hearts burn within us and we long to love him more. Evening, February 4th You are refuge from the adventure of blood. 
Joshua 23 It is said that in the land of Canaan, cities of refuge were so arranged that any man might reach one of them within half a day at the utmost. Even so, the word of our salvation is near to us. Jesus is the present Savior, and the way to him is sure. It is but a simple renunciation of our own merit, and the laying hold of Jesus to be our all in all. With regard to the roads in the city of refuge, we are told that they were strictly preserved. Every river was bridged, and every obstruction removed, so that the man who fled might find an easy passage to the city. Once a year the elders went along the roads and saw to their order, so that nothing might impede the flight of any one and cause him, through delay, to be overtaken and slain. How graciously do the promises of the gospel remove stumbling blocks from the way! Wherever there were by roads and turnings, there were fixed up hand posts with the inscription upon them, To the city of refuge. This is a picture of the road to Christ Jesus. It is no roundabout road of the law. It is no obeying this and the other. It is a straight road. Believe and live. It is a road so hard that no self-righteous man can ever tread it, but so easy that every sinner, who knows himself to be a sinner, may by it find his way to heaven. No sooner did the manslayer reach the outworks of the city than he was safe. It was not necessary for him to pass far within the walls, but the suburbs themselves were sufficient protection. Learn hence, that if you do but touch the hem of Christ's garment, you shall be made whole. If you do but lay hold upon him with faith as a grain of mustard seed, you are safe. A little genuine grace ensures the death of all our sins. Only waste no time, loiter not by the way, for the adventure of flood is swift afoot, and it may be he is at your heels at this still hour of eventide. End of January 29th through February 4th